the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back. Friday, February 4th, 2022. Live coming to you from the Guns Etc. Studios. Josh Hammer over at Newsweek says something about the cancel culture that needed to be said and something I've long worried about. By the way, he'll be joining us later in the show. He's getting at a latitudinous laziness that affects our side, the right, conservatives, when it comes to free speech and everything going on with regard to the cancel culture. Think about the notion that if Joe Rogan is going to be canceled for saying something unpopular or a Scott Atlas or, you know, for that matter, a Josh Hawley or, you know, any number of our senators, Ted Cruz's, for saying something unpopular or against the grain, so too should Whoopi Goldberg. It's no different. If a professor is going to be canceled for arguing a policy point about the importance of the U.S. Constitution and the founding, uh, perhaps something about affirmative action and race preferences, so too can it be okay to cancel someone praising the work of, say, the Chinese Communist Party. But these are not the same things. And ironically enough, they don't come to us the same way and the cancel culture doesn't have the same hair trigger. We conservatives need to get our thinking right about this stuff. Josh puts it this way, quote, The metastases of the woke ideology, which, which seeps through our moribund body politic like a cancer, has shocked the conscience of many who still cling to the idea of America as a liberal bastion. One of the woke ideology's more prevalent symptoms, the phenomenon known as cancel culture, has perhaps been disproportionately effective in radicalizing many centrists and moderate liberals against the woke, besotted, militant left. For definitional purposes, we can think of cancel culture as referring to the trend of seeking to cancel someone, to ostracize and remove him or her from social media or other media or their jobs more broadly for offending the ever-shifting sensibilities of a self-anointed thought police clerisy. The default right-of-center response to the rise of woke-inspired cancel culture has been to oppose it to court in the name of free speech. Such a posture is certainly preferable to the diametrically opposed opposite approach, but it mistakes the right's proper response at this current fraught juncture in our politics, close quote. So it used to be that the left, think ACLU or the old ACLU, never thought one could tie rhetoric or expression to violence. It used to be that way. Think of the famous case of the Nazis marching in Skokie in the 1970s. George Will, Bill Buckley, Hadley Arcus, others on our side said I'm sorry, you do not, Nazis do not have a First Amendment right to march through Skokie or anywhere else in America. The ACLU and the left, again, then, were all about protecting any form of expression once upon a time, even expression 
that would rend asunder our Republican form of government. The left, you see, used to love Louis Brandeis's notion that, quote, if in the long run the beliefs expressed in the proletarian dictatorship are destined to be accepted by the dominant forces of the community, the only meaning of free speech is that they should be given their chance and have their way, close quote. Well, no, we said, or a lot of us said and still say, the Constitution guarantees a republican form of government, after all, not a proletarian dictatorship. In other words, not all speech and claims to free speech should be or are the same. Whenever I start talking about free speech in the First Amendment, I start with a statement made by an appointee to the Supreme Court named Frank Murphy and something he wrote in what is known as the Chaplinsky case. This has long been forgotten by many, not used a whole lot, but never overturned. And many of us trained by Leo Strauss and his students, think Walter Burns, Hadley Arcus, who I mentioned, Harry Jaffa, Alan Bloom, they still refer to this a lot. Here's what Justice Murphy wrote, quote, allowing the broadest scope to the language and purpose of the 14th Amendment, it is well understood that the right of free speech is not absolute at all times and under all circumstances. There are certain well-defined and narrowly limited classes of speech, the prevention and punishments of which have never been thought to raise any constitutional problems. These include the lewd and obscene, the profane, the libelous, and the insulting or fighting words, those which by their very utterance inflict injury or tend to incite an immediate breach of the peace. It has been well observed that such utterances are no essential part of any exposition of ideas and are of such slight social value as a step to truth that any benefit that may be derived from them is clearly outweighed by the social interest in order and morality. Resort to epithets or personal abuse is not in any proper sense communication of information or opinion safeguarded by the Constitution, and its punishment as a criminal act should raise no question under that instrument, close quote. Why does he say this? Well, we have to understand the purpose of the First Amendment, and this, I think, has been forgotten by almost everyone on the Supreme Court with the possible exception of Samuel Alito. He gets it. That's why he was the lone dissent saying the Westboro Baptist Church protesters did not have a right to protest outside and near the funerals of fallen veterans and soldiers. So we think about the First Amendment as embodying our civil liberties, right? But as Harry Jaffa reminds us, civil liberties are liberties for and of men in civil society, or as our Constitution puts it squarely in Article 4, Section 4, the United States shall guarantee to every state in the Union a Republican form of government. Don't forget that. This is key. Our country is not, our founding is not neutral on what kind of government we may have. This is why Walter Burns is right and Oliver Holmes is wrong. Holmes wrote in a case titled Gitlo, Quote, eloquence may set fire to reason, but whatever may be thought of of the redundant discourse before us, it had no chance of starting a present conflagration. If in the long run, 
The beliefs expressed in proletarian dictatorship are destined to be accepted by the dominant forces of the community. The only meaning of free speech is that they should be given their chance and have their way. Well, is that what the founders intended? A constitution yielding to proletarian dictatorship? And a country where all men are not equal? Of course not. And that's why I provided you Article 4, Section 4. Abraham Lincoln put it thusly in his 1861 message to Congress. Must a government of necessity be too strong for the liberties of its own people or too weak to maintain its own existence? The asking is the answering. So the point of the First Amendment, like the whole of the Constitution, must ask, mustn't it, what is the point of free peoples and free government as well as free speech? As Jaffa puts it, free government rests upon the consent or opinion of the governed. Law is an expression of opinion and the opinion upon which the law rests is more fundamental than the law itself. The men who founded our system of government were not moral or political relativists. Here's the main point. Free speech is a priceless and indispensable attribute of a free society because it is a necessary means for deliberating upon public policy. But this deliberation does not extend to everything. Above all, it does not extend to the question of whether the community shall exchange its freedom for slavery. Certain Ends are fixed, and their fixity is the condition of mutability changes in other respects on items of public policy, say. <clears throat> the government may deliberate, deliberate on how to secure the rights to life and liberty of all. It may never deliberate on whether they shall be secured. Certain proposals can never be entertained by a civilized community. So this is why I – and really – I think only a few of us object when someone says, think Skokie, Illinois or Virginia, of course the Nazis or the KKK or David Duke have a right to march or the communists. Really? Do they? George Will, another legatee of Leo Strauss's sort of put it this way in summarizing Walter Burns's position on this matter. Liberals quote Oliver Wendell Holmes's maxim that the best test of truth is the power of the thought to get itself accepted into the marketplace of ideas. Liberalism is a philosophy that yields the essential task of philosophy, which is distinguishing truth from error, to the market, the marketplace, which measures preferences, popularity, not truth. Liberals say all ideas have an equal right to compete in the market, or they used to, but the right to compete implies the right to win. So the logic of liberalism is that it is better to be ruled by Nazis or communists than to restrict them, isn't it? Liberals seem to believe that all speech, any clash between any ideas necessarily contributes to the political ends the First Amendment is supposed to serve. But they must believe that the amendment was not intended to promote particular political ends, that there is no connection between the rationale for free speech and the particular purposes of Republican government. Walter Burns argues that the First Amendment is part of a political document. There are political purposes for protecting speech. 
and some speech is simply incompatible with those purposes. The purpose of the Constitution, he argues, is to establish a government faithful to the self-evident truths of the Declaration of Independence. Holmes said the Constitution was written for people of fundamentally differing views. That would be an absurd idea about any constitutional community, and it is certainly absurd about this one, ours. The founders thought rational persons could hardly avoid agreeing about self-evident fundamentals. The founders believed in freedom for all speech that does not injure the health of the self-evidently proper kind of polity, a republic. So the distinction between liberty and license, between permissible and impermissible speech, is implicit in the entirety of the Constitution's purpose. Hence, restraint can be based on the substance as well as the time, place, and manner of any given speech. Burns argues that it is bizarre to say that the Constitution, a document designed to promote particular political ends, asserts an equality of ideas. <clears throat> there is no such thing as an amoral constitution, neutral regarding all possible political outcomes. American Nazis may be weak. American communists may be weak. Thus, protecting Nazi swastikas or communist symbols and other speech is thus okay. Liberals may say the pain Nazis cause today is outweighed by the usefulness of the clash of ideas. Try that with communists, less weak than the Nazis here, and whatever pain their legacy of blood and human imprisonment and invasion is that may worry others, including survivors of communism, that pain is also to be outweighed by the usefulness of the clash of their ideas. But what ideas? <clears throat> Were the Nazis or communists becoming stronger the non-censorious would favor protecting Nazi and communist speech because the market, the best test of truth to the liberals, would be affirming Nazi truth or the communist truth. Besides, restricting speech people say can be dangerous. But it is not more dangerous than national confusion about fundamental values, is it? It's not more dangerous than what the communists want to do, is it? It's not more dangerous than what the Nazis argue for, is it? Evidence of such confusion is the idea that restrictions on Nazi or communist taunts and defamations are impermissible because the Constitution's fundamental value is political competition open, equal, open equally to those who, if they win, destroy the Constitution and throw people in gulags or put them in ovens. No, no, not all speech is equal, and thus neither is all canceling. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. studios. We've played the audio before. We won't do it again now. There's no need. But you may recall the name Michael Avenatti. He's back in the news again. The audio was of host after host after host from The View, all of them, 
to CNN, <clears throat> almost all of them, to MSNBC, all of them, praising Michael Avenatti to the hilt, even encouraging him to run for president. So much so he believed his own press and started playing games with it by giving speeches in New Hampshire, which is where presidential contenders first start giving speeches. Well, he's been found guilty now on at least two counts. Yes, two counts of bilking – just this name that won't go away – bilking Stormy Daniels out of nearly $300,000 in proceeds. The story held up over at Fox News. Michael Avenatti has been found guilty of charges of wire fraud and aggravated identity theft for bilking a former client out of nearly $300,000 in book proceeds. The jury spent about 15 and a half hours deliberating before returning the verdict on Friday afternoon. Get this. The wire fraud charge carries a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison, while the aggravated identity theft charge carries a mandatory term of imprisonment for two years. Two years. He'll be going to jail for two years. Clark Brewster, who represents Stormy Daniels, told Fox News his client was relieved that this nightmare is over. Quote, the text communications between Stormy and Mr. Avenatti in real time was overwhelming proof of his deceit and embezzlement. The forgery of her name and his concealed directive to wire the money to him was irrefutable. Still, Mr. Avenatti possessed the uncanny ability to steadfastly deny the crimes and persuade others he was entitled to the embezzled funds. Stormy is pleased that the court system, the justice system, thought otherwise. Think about that. Deceit and embezzlement. That's what Mr. Avenatti should be known for, not for being the man who would take down Donald Trump, not for being the man who would take down Brett Kavanaugh. You do remember his role in the Kavanaugh case, don't you? Mark Judge reminds us. Do you remember Mark Judge's role in the Kavanaugh case? Mark Judge was a childhood friend of Brett Kavanaugh's and he got dragged into the whole uh, miasma of the hearings uh, related to Christine Blasey Ford. Mark Judge wrote today about Michael Avenatti's punishment and I think it's worth hearing from him. I think it's worth hearing from him because I don't think you're going to see the story of Avenatti's criminal guilt being talked about very much on The View or CNN or MSNBC. He was their white knight in shining armor, don't you recall? Well, that armor looks awfully rusted just about now. Stay tuned. Don't go away. We'll give you what Mark Judge has to say when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, and thanks to our sponsors for help bringing it to you, including our newest one, veteran-owned Midas Gold Group. What if you think about it in this way? The same people who have managed our immigration policy and our border policies and our COVID policies, maybe I should say mismanaged them, are the same people managing our dollar. Their reckless spending and dollar printing is likely to end in financial chaos that threatens both you 
and your savings and traditional investments, just as their efforts at the management of other important political and public policies has affected us. Protect yourself and your assets with a call to Midas Gold Group. The experts at Midas understand how gold and silver can add profitability, protection, and perhaps most importantly, privacy to your finances. You won't encounter pushy salespeople at Midas. They can help you make an informed decision about precious metals and how they might fit into your portfolio. Schedule a free no-obligation consultation with Midas Gold Group. Call them at 480-360-3000 or find them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Tell them Seth sent you. Okay. Thank you, Midas. Um, Michael Avenatti, just for another moment or two, the silence covering his conviction that you will see or hear, I should say, over at CNN, MSNBC, maybe even NPR, certainly at The View, may be an effort not just to cover their own backsides. There may be a bigger effort here too. Mark Judge asks a very pregnant question. Did Hillary Clinton or the Democratic National Committee ever pay Michael Avenatti? The question isn't exactly new. It was at least hinted at as early as May 10th, 2018. That day, Mark Penn, you see him on TV once in a while, Mark Penn, a former advisor to Bill Clinton, published an op-ed in the Hill newspaper. At the time, the news was filled with the rantings of Avenatti, who gained his fame and notoriety representing Stormy Daniels. Daniels was claiming she was paid to cover up an affair with Donald Trump before he was elected president. Penn's column raised several good questions. They have become even more relevant now that Avenatti has been back in the news for his conviction. Here's what Penn wrote. Here's what Penn asked, quote, So exactly who is paying Michael Avenatti? And is he a lawyer, an opposition researcher, a journalist, or a campaign operative? He wants to make the discussion all about where Michael Cohen, President Trump's personal attorney, got his money. But to have clean hands, Avenatti needs to come forward with exactly who was financing his operation, who his sources were for detailed banking information, and whether he really is an attorney solely representing Stormy Daniels or just using her as cover to wage a political operation against the Trump organization. From the beginning, this has been fishy. Still Mark Penn writing. This has been fishy. Daniel's previous lawyer advised her to stick to her agreements. That is to say, don't break your confidentiality agreements. In contrast, Avenatti okayed her violating with impunity her nondisclosure agreement on 60 Minutes despite a binding arbitration judgment against her. She acknowledged on Twitter that she is not paying for her lawyer. So who was? Who is? And did he indemnify her against all multimillion-dollar penalties? Finally, Penn writes this haymaker. It took a long time and even a court battle to find out that the Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee paid for the Fusion GPS dossier, a fact that was disclosed only after the damage was done, as former British spy Christopher Steele had already created a vast echo chamber as though the material he was peddling had been verified in some way, which of course it never was. Now Avenatti is being allowed to repeat the same process, mixing truths with half-truths and evading accountability. Avenatti has been given a free, unfettered media perch on TV 
to spread his stuff without the networks forcing him to meet any disclosure requirements, saying that he is Daniel's attorney when someone else entirely is paying for this operation is not true disclosure that allows the viewer to evaluate the source and potential conflicts. He is now being given deference as though he is a journalist interested in protecting unverified sources while he makes headline-grabbing pronouncements. Lawyers need to disclose the source of their evidence, close quote. That was Mark Penn, a Democrat who used to work for Bill Clinton. Let me tell you what Mark Judge concludes, having been caught up in in, uh, Michael Avenatti's destruction of Brett Kavanaugh and Mark Judge himself when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Mark Judge, who got caught up in uh, the Brett Kavanaugh uh, dragnet uh, with Christine Blasey Ford, thanks to Michael Avenatti's work, has some points to make about Michael Avenatti, and I want to give them to you now. He says, he writes, I have some personal experience with Avenatti, the man Tucker Carlson has called the creepy porn lawyer. In the fall of 2018, the political left and the media tried to destroy Brett Kavanaugh, a high school friend of mine. Central to their effort was Michael John Avenatti. The creepy porn lawyer lived on television. He was interviewed 147 times in one week alone and was fawned over by journalists who claimed to possess street smarts yet couldn't find their way out of their own bathrooms without help. Fueled by opposition research, extortion threats, and an attempted honey trap, Politicians in the media climbed aboard the SS Avenatti, the direct lineal descendant of the Titanic. In the fall of 2018, a woman named Christine Blasey Ford accused Kavanaugh of sexually assaulting her in 1982 when we were all in high school. Ford claimed that I, Mark Judge, Ford claimed that I was in the room when the incident allegedly happened. Ford, who had every intention of going public, was a bad actor. In both senses of the term. Sloppy doesn't begin to describe the corporate left's reporting about the claims against Kavanaugh and me, Mark Judge. Vanity Fair Fair had to issue a correction admitting that a woman who'd said we went to college together, in fact, had attended a different school altogether. The Washington Post withheld exonerating evidence presented by a witness they excluded from their explosive first story about Ford's allegations. Reporters used as sources people who had never so much as ever laid eyes on Brett Kavanaugh or me. Then came Avenatti. On September 24th, 2018, I got a nasty message on my phone from someone saying, you like screwing around with people? I like screwing around with people too. Give me a call. I still don't know who the call was from, but I did give the number to the FBI. Words I had learned as a kid watching The Exorcist came back to me. Do not talk to the demon. The demon is a liar. Later, that same day, Avenatti went on TV where he appeared apoplectic and said my name, Mark Judge, 13 times within a span of two minutes. He was flustered. Extortion wasn't working as it would fail with Nike. Avenatti had figured out that I was too street smart to hand him the shiv to plant into my back. I was not about to give in to the mob. 
Then the creepy porn lawyer produced a woman named Julie Swetnick. Swetnick claimed that Brett and I had attended 10 parties in high school where girls were drugged and gang raped. She claimed that she herself was the victim of such a gang rape. The story was too good to check. In a move that would have gotten an intern fired, NBC's Kate Snow not only put Swetnick on air without any vetting, she also withheld information that would have damaged Avenatti. During the first week of October, when Kavanaugh still had not yet been confirmed, Avenatti claimed he had a woman who would corroborate Swetnick's claims. It was a lie. Here's what NBC News wrote, quote, Reached by phone independently from Avenatti on October 3rd, the woman said she only skimmed the declaration Avenatti had written for her. After reviewing the statement, she wrote in a text to NBC News, It is incorrect that I saw Brett spike any punch. I didn't see anyone spike any punch. I was very clear with Michael Avenatti from day one, close quote. There was more. She wrote, I would never allow anyone to be abusive in my presence, male or female. I will definitely not talk to you again and no longer Avenatti. I do not like that he's twisted my words. Rather than report that news, which would have helped Brett Kavanaugh, NBC just sat on that for several weeks. From Fox News on October 26, 2018, quote, NBC News is under fire for sitting on information that would have cast serious doubt on wild claims about Justice Brett Kavanaugh just when the unsubstantiated allegations were rocking the judge's confirmation to the high court. Controversial attorney Michael Avenatti and client Julie Swetnick claimed last month Kavanaugh took part in a high school gang rape just as Kavanaugh was defending himself against a separate, uncorroborated claim. Avenatti connected NBC News with an anonymous woman he claimed could corroborate Swetnick's allegations, but instead accused the lawyer of twisting her words. Still, NBC went with Swetnick's story without disclosing the exculpatory reporting. On Thursday, nearly three weeks after Kavanaugh's confirmation, NBC News published an article headlined, New Questions Raised About Avenatti's Claims Regarding Kavanaugh. In the article, NBC News admitted the unidentified woman repudiated the sworn statement Avenatti provided to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Think about that. NBC had the exonerating statements and withheld them, did not publicize or publish them till after the confirmation was over, after first airing only the anti-Kavanaugh statements. Pretty impressive that, isn't it, if you're NBC News? NBC, they should be ashamed of themselves for so many reasons. I forgot all about this one. Anyway, as Mark Judge writes, the scam of 2018 was an opposition research dump made up of an unholy trinity. It was journalists working with lawyers and opposition researchers who in turn were working with the lawyers and the politicians. The whole thing was one reckless, self-perpetuating, toxic scrum. The left cast a net over the Washington metropolitan area, included my high school yearbook. Anything they dragged up was used against us. I was called a drunk, a racist, a misogynist, even a fan of, oh my gosh, Benny Hill. It was the kind of thing that happens in totalitarian states. The people who set it up may go to jail or go to therapy or return to their high-paying media jobs. They will also die without honor. At his sentencing in 2021, Avenatti wept. 
Your Honor, I've learned that all the fame, notoriety, and money in the world is meaningless. TV and Twitter, Your Honor, mean nothing, he said. He then mentioned his three children, including two teenage daughters who wrote letters to the judge. He wrote, Every father wants their children to be proud of them. I want mine to be ashamed, because if they are ashamed, it means their moral compass is exactly where it should be. That's fine, fraud, Mark Judge writes. Now will you tell us who did pay you? If the press wants to rehabilitate themselves in any way, it would not be hard. It would not be hard. And they would go digging into this question about Michael Avenatti and who was paying him. All they have to do is dig about a tenth as hard as they did into the high school antics of Brett Kavanaugh. It should be an easier task because they don't have to go back to 1982. They can go back to 2017 and 2018. Will they? I doubt it. You know why? Because they'll be showing themselves to be the dupes. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, brought to you in part by Balance of Nature, which I take every single day. If you want to get the benefit of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables every single day through vegetarian capsules, you just pop. They're easy to take. If you don't like taking capsules, they're easy to open and sprinkle in food or drink. You're going to get some great, potent, powerful stuff, everything from oranges and tart cherry and cranberry to zucchini celery, wheatgrass, soybeans, spinach, broccoli, through the special blend, all-natural blend of Balance of Nature. I take it every single day. You can too. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. That's balanceofnature.com, fruits and veggies. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. I'd be curious to know how many of you are going to be tuning in to the Olympics or are tuning in to the Olympics. Uh, We covered yesterday Nancy Pelosi telling the athletes that you are there to compete. Do not risk incurring the anger of the Chinese government because they are ruthless, Pelosi said. She went on, I know there is a temptation on the part of some to speak out while they are there. I respect that, but I also worry about what the Chinese government might do to their reputations and to their families, and it reminded me of the line from Martin Luther King, our lives become meaningless the moment we refuse to speak up for things that matter. Why are we even playing there if it's a country, as Nancy Pelosi says, that's ruthless? I get that she may be intending to try and protect the safety of the athletes, I get that she may be saying, if you're tempted to speak, maybe wait till you get back, although she didn't say that. That would have been a little more helpful. She's just telling them not to speak because the regime is ruthless. You bet it's ruthless. Brings up the larger question. What the heck are we doing there? Do human rights matter only here? Do human liberties matter only here? And is it okay and we just brush past them and give China the political victory it wants around the rest of the world and to too many 
here because it will be shown as this glowing and gleaming country where we're all supposed to celebrate Beijing 2022 as if it's no different than, I don't know, London 2022 or D.C. 2022 or Phoenix 2022 or Jerusalem 2022 or Mexico City 2022. It's not the same kind of place. They're not all the same. The only thing she said that was right in there was the word ruthless. Now, what do you do with a ruthless regime? You don't go over there, stay silent, and help them look good before the rest of the world. That's what you don't do. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 